Wow, what a blessing. How incredible. I love being here with you guys at Live. We get to come together and celebrate and worship who God is, what He's done. And now we get to dive into God's Word together and learn from Him. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, thank You so much, God, for Your Word. Lord, thank You so much that You love us. Lord, You desire good for us. I pray that You'd speak through Your Word by Your Holy Spirit tonight, that You'd allow me to get out of the way. Lord, that You'd change all of us for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have a lot to cover tonight, so if you have a Bible, pull it out. If you have a Bible on your phone, it's okay, you can pull it out. I recommend you put it on airplane mode, that way you're not too distracted. But turn to Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to be hanging out tonight. Romans chapter 7. Repeat. Tonight we're talking about repeat. And... Some of you are like, well, I thought we talked about that last week. <laughs> we did, and we're talking about it again this week because it's a series, all right? It's not just because we're repeating it, it's actually a series, so we're going off. Last week, uh, Jonathan talked about, uh, you know, a lot of times in our Christian faith, we can get really frustrated, can't we? Because it seems like no matter what we do, we just can't simply win. He had you guys play uh, rock, paper, scissors to make sure that everyone won. A lot of times as, as Christians, we get so bombarded by just getting frustrated with, man, I can't figure this thing out. I keep falling into sin. I keep falling back into sin. How do I do this? How do I win? And Jonathan uh, talked to us about that last week. But uh, I started thinking about repeat, and it was interesting because uh, it made me first think of, uh, anyone ever have deja vu? Anyone has, you know what that is? It's when you're experiencing something, yeah, and you're like, I've I've done this before. I've been in this exact same situation, and when I, was, when I was a kid, all right, I just figured out what deja vu was the other day, okay, but I used to think that I was like a prophet. Man, like, I can foretell the future. Like, I've been here before. Like, God has placed me in this situation to, uh, and then I realized that deja vu was like a real thing, and everyone experiences it, and it made me feel um, low, okay, it made me feel really low. But, it's interesting because one of the times that I had deja vu, it was actually pretty convenient. I was in class as a young lad, and it was math class, my most hated class. Anyone else hate math? Yes, I knew I liked you guys. Amen. Math's awful. Um, but it was the beginning of class, and the teacher, you know, goes, uh, turn in your homework. So everyone pulls out their homework, and I start to have this vision of deja vu. I didn't know it at the time. I go, I've been here before. I've already turned in my homework. I've done this. I really believe I, I've turned in my homework. And so everyone's passing in like, I've already turned, I've done this. And I don't recommend that. Okay, that's not very convenient. I got a zero on that grade. Um, doesn't work. Okay, deja vu. But a lot of times we have things that repeat in our lives. For me, it's usually uh, Instagram. I didn't realize that the thing repeated, you know, when you're watching a video. You guys ever watch videos on Instagram? No, you're just on Snapchat? Okay. You're on Snapchat? No, you watch the videos. One person. Thanks for not letting me make me feel alone. Thank you so much. So you're on Instagram, and it was like, I think the video rolled three times before I realized that it was the same thing. I'm like, this video is never going to stop. And then finally it froze. Anyways, I moved on. 
But repeat, there's a lot of things in our lives that repeat. And uh, it's interesting, there's, there's a professor, professor that was studying the, this whole idea of how in our minds, our minds are such a powerful thing, and how when things repeat in our minds, when we see the same circumstances, that's actually what, how we have deja vu. And so this professor was studying and he had his class over to his place. And so he had this very unique mug just kind of out and about. who was just kind of sitting there and so where everyone could see it, this really unique mug. Okay, so he just had it. Didn't talk about it or anything. About a month later, he has a mug just hanging out in a classroom. And at the end of the class, he did a survey, and everyone had deja vu. It was like 80 or 90% of the class that had been there that night because they're like, man, I've been to this exact same class before. But it was because it was triggered in their mind. They saw something that was familiar that they had experienced before. They're like, wow, I'm experiencing the same thing again. Scripture talks about repetition a lot. In fact, one of the places it talks about it is Proverbs 20. 6, 11, it says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Anyone ever have a dog that do that? They hurl everywhere and then they want to eat their vomit? Are you kidding me? I haven't had a dog until Meredith and I got a dog a few months ago and this is just a bizarre concept. I'm like, why do you want to eat that? That is disgusting. And you have to like hold the dog back from eating its own vomit. But a lot of the times that's what we do as Christians. We go back to the same stuff that maybe we even learn and know that it's foolishness, that it's vomit, that it's just going to make us sick again. Like, if it didn't go down well the first time, what makes you think it's going to go down the second time? But we do that and we repeat certain actions in our lives over and over and over again. That can be very frustrating. That can leave us in a place like, man, why does this happen? There's a few different reasons why it happens. I don't want to go into a little bit of the science of it because a lot of it is mental. It's mental. And these things, one of the reasons is we form these habits by the things that we do. And so we form a habit in our mind and our mind just goes directly to, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. And the more that we do the same thing, the more a habit forms and then we just go and do it and do it more and more. So a habit really is just a behavior that's deeply wired in our brains to perform the same thing, kind of on autopilot, if you will. There's a certain uh, area in our brains called the basal ganglia, okay, it's a fun word to say, basal ganglia, sounds like a, like a oriental dish or something, all right, but basal ganglia, and that's where uh, kind of the idea of where our habits are, are and our emotions are kind of in that part of our brain. But a lot of these habits are repeated through kind of a sequence of events, if you will. The first thing is that there's a trigger, kind of like uh, when those students saw a mug, all right, there's a trigger like, oh man, I've been here before. And then the trigger leads to the behavior, the actual act, which the behavior is done because you see the end result, you see the reward. So first you have the trigger, okay, say you're sitting there and you look across and you see, all right, for me, it would be a chocolate chip cookie. Amen? Come on, participate. Any amens out there? For you, it would be the chocolate chip cookie. You look across. Yeah, that's right. Preach. You see the chocolate chip cookie, and all of a sudden, your brain is like a trigger. There's a cue. Man, 
I want that. Why do I want that? Okay, so all of a sudden I want that. I go over, I get the cookie, and I start eating it. I practice the behavior just automatically without even thinking about it. Why? Because it tastes amazing. And our brains only think about, about the reward and maybe not necessarily the consequence. I only think when I see the cookie that, man, that tastes so good and I need that cookie. I'm not thinking about, oh, man, that's going to make me gain five pounds. And it's not going to make me hurl and throw up everywhere, okay, because it's bad for me. We don't think that way. We only think of the good, especially when we form that habit. We do it over and over because there's a part of our brain that it just goes in a, a kind of autopilot mode. There's another part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, all right? It's kind of right there in the front of your brain. And that's where all your decisions are made for the most part, all right? Your cognitive decisions that you're like, I'm going to do this. And that's where your decision-making starts, but you do a decision enough over and over and over, then that becomes a habit and you just kind of go into auto mode without doing it, without even thinking about it. So whether you have good decisions or bad decisions, you do that good or you do that bad decision enough, that's going to lead to a habit that your brain, when it's triggered, is going to want to automatically go there. And all these different things are enforced a lot of the times by our environments, by the environments that we put ourselves in. It's enforced by our environments. Uh, you know, that's important because a lot of times we react to the same things because we're put in the same situations. That's why uh, people that go to prison, when they get out of prison, they go back to the old, their old situations, their own friends, their own neighborhoods, and guess what? 70% of the people that get released from prison end up repeating their offense and getting put right back in prison. Isn't that crazy? It's because they're put in the same situation and they've already formed deep ingrained habits in their mind and their lives. A lot of times those circumstances, you know, they affect us, our environment affects us, but really ultimately we allow our environment, our circumstances to control us and to dictate what we do, to dictate what we don't do. Uh, you know, that can be also good and bad, just like a habit can be good or bad, an environment. For example, this is a good environment, I hope, okay, most of the time. This can be a good environment, and we allow our environments, even our good environments, to affect us. Like when we're at church, right, maybe if we're on a mission trip, maybe we start growing in God, man, this is awesome, we get put in a different environment, and we start living for God again, kind of like uh, when we're at church, or maybe even when we go to a beach retreat, Okay, and God starts to do something incredible in your life, and you're like, wow, God, this is amazing. You're incredible. And we start living for God again. But then we go back into our old environment. We go back to school like you guys have started. You're a second week of school again, and you're affected by your environment and your circumstances, and you start going back into kind of your old habits, your old things that you used to do. You start hanging out, being influenced by different types of people, like, man, what in the world? I was on fire for Christ. I was living for Him. I was, what happened? I was so pumped up, and now I'm back to right where I was last year. I keep doing the same stuff. What's the answer? Man, how do I get out of that? There's someone else who was frustrated, and that was Paul at a certain point, really relates to this in Romans 7. So turn to Romans 7. Hopefully, you already turned there. Okay, 
And starting in verse 15, we're going to read this together. So follow along on your phone or on the screen. But Romans 15, this is Paul writing. It says, For I do not understand my own actions. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not understand my own actions. There's a repeat. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anyone can relate with that? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. Anyone have the desire to do what is right? But not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. All right, this guy goes back and forth like, okay, he keeps repeating himself, but this guy's confused. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Man, Paul here is expressing his frustration. Man, the things that I have the desire to do, I want to follow Christ, I want to do what's right, I want to do all these things, but so I want to do this, but then I end up doing the thing that I even hate that I don't want to do. How do I go to that? Every time. The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I do want to do, I don't end up doing. Like, what in the world? And it's not me that can do it. What in the world? How can I do this? And as Christians, man, we can get so frustrated and discouraged because how are we going to break this cycle where we keep repeating it? Man, I do good and then I do bad. I do good, I do bad. Or man, I just keep doing bad. I want to do good, but then I can't. I keep being influenced by these different things. I think a main reason, there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of different reasons, but a main reason is where our basis of faith and belief lies. And if our basis of what we believe and how we follow Christ is based upon our flesh, like this passage talks about our flesh, it's only going to lead to death. If it's based upon our flesh, how we feel, our emotions, when we're put in a certain circumstance, we're going to fail every single time. It's done when it's really based on an attitude of convenience instead of an attitude of grateful commitment to Christ. Uh, You know, you you get in a situation, you go back to school and there's all this pressure for to have grades and maybe to be look look a certain way in a certain group, maybe to perform in your certain you know, extracurricular activity, either that's band or sport, whatever that looks like, and you have all this pressure that you put online. I have to perform, I have to act, I have to fit in, I have to do this, I have to please my parents, I have to please this friend, my friends, I have to do this, I have to do this, and we, we put in this environment, and man, there's so much pressure that is put on us. And so we go there, we, we kind of look back like, man, we get put back in the same situation when we're at school or wherever, like, 
that, that pressure, what do we do with that? How do we deal with the, the junk that's happening at home? How do we do the junk that's happening with our, my friends, with all the pressure that's put on me from my coach? How do I deal with all this? And then we look to sin. We're like, man, I did that before. I have a desire for that. Man, that's going to give me, we see the reward. We don't see the consequences. We see the reward. Man, I'm going to do that because that's going to give me a reward. That's going to make me feel good. That's going to help me deal with my issues, with my problems. Whatever is happening in my life, that's going to help me deal with that. But that reward is never, ever going to satisfy. It's only going to bring us down. And the first thing we have to do is to see really sin for what it is. And there's a few tools. I want to give you a few tools tonight, so hopefully you're taking notes, all right? Some tools that are going to help you. This isn't the solution, but practical advice for us that's going to help you. Okay, when dealing with sin, when dealing with a problem, when dealing with, man, I keep falling into the same thing over and over and over, I can't conquer it, what do you do? Some practical things. First thing is you hate it. You hate the sin, okay? Second thing is you starve it. You don't do it, you starve the sin. You only crave what you eat. The only reason I crave chocolate chip cookies sometimes is because I eat them. The more you eat them, the more you crave them. The more you want them, the more you're triggered to eat them, the more and more and more. But if you don't eat them, the less I desire them, the less I'll be triggered to eat them, the less I'll have a cue to eat them, all right? So first you hate it, then you starve it. Then the last thing is you have to outsmart it. You have to outsmart it. How do you do that? Because when we're put in certain environments, our circumstances, man, we are vulnerable because we deal with this flesh that has fallen. We are vulnerable. So you don't put yourself in a situation where you're in a group of friends where you know you're going to be tempted to do a certain thing or act a certain way or do certain things or talk a certain way or treat people a certain way. You don't put yourself alone in a room by yourself when you know you're going to do certain things on your phone. Give your phone to your parent. Turn it off. Throw it away. It's not worth it, all right? You got to outsmart it. There's certain times I know, man, when I'm tired and I get put in this certain situation, the record shows I'm going to repeat this and I'm going to do the same thing again. Don't put yourself in that situation. That's outsmarting it. So first, you truly have to hate it. And the way that you hate it is, is man, it can't be you. It has to be Christ in you. And you really start hating what God hates because you put on God's heart and he hates it. Man, you see how destructive it is. You do something over and over, you see, man, that is going to destroy my life, destroy the people around me. It doesn't satisfy. The reward isn't fulfilling. It might be for a short time, but then it, it perishes. So some practical advice, three things. You hate it. You starve it. You only crave what you eat. You don't eat it. You won't crave it. Hate it. Starve it. What's the last one? Some of you are paying attention. Outsmart it. All right? Come on, you learn through repetition. You know, God actually teaches us through repetition in Scripture, all right? That's kind of how we are made as human, human beings, all right? So I'm going to go over this with us together. So what are the three practical things in dealing with a sin issue? Hate it? Starve it? Outsmart it? All right, you guys are getting smarter by the minute, okay? This is good. Some practical things. Let's read verse 18. In Romans 7, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
Ultimately, guys, we don't have the ability to do it. We can't. It's not in us. You don't have the ability to not keep falling into sin and repeating it over and over and over again. There are certain signs uh, that we have that really tell us if we are lying to ourselves about continuing to fall into the same things. One of the, first, one of the main signs you can tell for yourself or maybe a friend is you keep giving excuses. Why you keep falling in the same thing or maybe why you don't want to be put in a, a good environment where you might do good things. You continue to give excuses, all right? That's, that's a main sign that you're continuing to fall and repeat your own sin. There's a time in my life when I kept repeating sin because I really was based my walk with Christ on how I felt, the circumstances that I was in. And I got really frustrated. I remember this one night, and I was so frustrated. I was doing all that I could not to give in to sin. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just trying to fight, just trying to white knuckle it. No, I'm not going to do it. And I got so mad. I just remember getting so frustrated. Literally, I started hating my sin so much, and I saw what it was doing to destroy my life and make me ineffective for Christ. I started yelling and screaming, and then I just started weeping. I'm just weeping, weeping. And that was actually one of the first steps that made me take my sin seriously. It made me also take my faith a little more seriously, take ownership take responsibility of my growth with Christ. So what is the answer? What is the answer? Let's look at verse 25 real quick. Well, look at verse 24 again. It says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, it says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Thanks. Who, who will deliver me? Jesus. Jesus will. He's the one that can deliver you. Man, thank the Lord. There's an answer. Remember verse 18, we can't do it on our own. We have to rely on Jesus Christ. And through him, we can have victory. We don't have to repeat our folly over and over, keep eating the throw up. We don't have to keep doing that. You know, it's amazing. Uh, I encourage you to keep reading because it flows right into verse, to chapter 8. Because a lot of people have doubt, like, man, I keep falling, I keep doing all this different stuff. Well, how do I deal with this? But when you are in Christ Jesus and you allow Him to take over your life, verse 1 of chapter 8 says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because He's conquered the flesh, He's conquered sin and death, and because He's conquered sin and death, man, we too, when we take Him on, we take on His identity, Man, we can say no because we're focused on Christ. It's it's not us. It's Jesus that does it. It's Jesus that does it. And the Christian faith isn't necessarily about being perfect. Don't mishear me. It's not that you never fall. It's not that you never sin. It's not that you never repeat maybe something that you've done in the past. That's going to happen. But the difference between the Christ follower and the person that is not following Christ, doesn't truly have a relationship with Christ, is that, man, you're growing. The believer grows. It's not about being sinless, it's about sinning less. You sin less 
and less and less because God's starting to change you, starting to change your heart. He's giving more and more of your heart and you're able to say no, no, more to those things that keep tempting you. Turn real quick to verse, to verse, to Psalm. Psalm, real quick, 34. Psalm 34. All right, it's in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 34, starting in verse 8. Psalmist says, David, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Say good. Come on. Say it like you mean it. Taste. Okay, there we go. Taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. That he's good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, one of the tricks, one of the answers I mean, how do we not keep giving in to these different habits that we keep falling into more and more and more? Really, the main thing that motivates every person, the reason they do something is because there's a reward for it. Remember, you have the trigger that leads to the behavior, the actual action that leads to the reward. That's why we do it. But you know what the reward is in life? The actual reward, it's not about feeling good, it's not about doing the right thing, it's not about going to church, it's not about whatever. The reward is Jesus. Jesus is the reward. He's the one that is good. He's the thing that tastes good. He's the thing that satisfies. Only God. Taste and see that God is the reward. See that he's awesome, that he's the answer to the, you know, instead of turning to all the different things when you have pressure in your life, you turn to the same thing that you, you keep falling and falling and falling and you're like, man, this is bringing me nowhere. It's enjoyable, yeah, it tastes good for a minute, but it doesn't satisfy. It just leaves me guilty and feeling shame and having doubt. The change really is allowing God to change your heart and having your faith and why you do what you do based on not your circumstances, not your emotions, not on you, not how you feel, not on the experience that you have at beach retreat, not on your friends, not based upon what they do or who they are, not even based upon your family. Really, we, it's to be based on our lives, our walk with the Lord is based on only one thing, and that's Jesus. And that's where our focus lies, and, and you know, and it's amazing, in Romans uh, 7.25, it says, so then I myself serve God with my mind. I serve Him with my mind. But with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There's a battle going on. Are you going to feed your flesh? Are you going to feed, man, giving your life to Christ over and over, being focused on Him, being dependent upon Him to make it through life every single day? It's amazing, Psalm 34, he talks about Him being our refuge. 
Jesus is our reward. He's our refuge. He's the person that we turn to.